So welcome to officially summer at, um, I almost said summer at Trinity. You would have booed me off this stage. Um, summer, help me out with this, summer at One Life Church, everybody, right? Um, yeah, I think we can cheer for that. Man, I try so hard all the time, and sometimes it still, it still slips out. Hey, more on that in just, just a moment. Um, but it is Memorial Day weekend, and I just want to take a moment, and I just want to acknowledge um, that freedom is never free. Um, you know, the, the freedom and the liberty that we have here just to meet in an air-conditioned room um, to worship our God, and we're not being persecuted for that today. Um, well, somebody had to pay for that. Um, and, you know, even the freedom and the liberty that we have in our faith, um, and the freedom that we have spiritually speaking, that was paid for with the blood of Jesus. Um, and the freedoms that we have here, there are people who sacrificed and paid the ultimate price that we could experience freedom. And so this weekend, as you're hanging out with your friends, having your barbecue, doing the Murph workout tomorrow, um, there's three of us that will be doing that apparently, um, take a moment and, and celebrate the fact that we live in a great country. Not a perfect country by any means, but we live in a great country where we can experience um, these types of freedom. And if you're in the room or online and you served in our military, um, come on church, can we just celebrate them tonight or today? And yeah, happy Memorial Day weekend. We love you guys. We love you. Um, today, I'm really excited to introduce you to a really good friend of, of mine, and he's no stranger. This will be his third time speaking with us today. Um, but a couple of, um, well, back in October, a couple months ago, we started a journey called the One Life Movement. Um, and, and what this journey entails is we begin to ask God of God, you've blessed us so much in this area of our church. What's next? What do you have for us in the future? And we began to plan and we began to dream about what's next. And we just had this vision, our elders, our staff of God, we believe in the next season of our ministry, you're calling us to reach 5,000 people for Jesus, to baptize, to water baptize 2,500 people and to send over a thousand people on a global mission trip. And if that's what God's calling us to do, well, what are some things that we have to get done right now in order to accomplish these God-sized dreams and God-sized goals? Well, part of that is the update and the remodel of our current campus. And by the way, thank you for being so flexible with us as the temperature gets hotter and you guys that have kids especially maneuvering around rooms and buildings, like thank you for that. But we're doing that to reach more people for Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so this update and remodel of this campus, our launch of our new East Mesa location at um, Ray Road and, and Signal Butte there, the Gateway Polytech Academy, that will be launching in September. We're gonna be one church in two locations, but also to support and strengthen some of our international partners. And as we began in this journey to raise $3.5 million, we are a giving or a tithing church, which means that we will never keep everything that we receive for ourselves. That 10% of everything that comes in our doors goes right back out our doors to support our mission partners. And one of our great mission partners is JJ and Melissa Alderman. And JJ will be up here in just a few moments, but this is the first time Melissa has ever been with us. Would you welcome Melissa Alderman to the room today? Fun fact, 
Melissa's mom and dad for a season, her dad was a pilot, hung out here for like 2002 to 2003. They were members of this church all the way back then. So she's kind of going back memory lane of, oh my goodness, look at everything that's, that's changed. Um, but they've been strategic mission partners with us over the last five years. And as I began to cast vision, Jay's like, hey, as we build a youth camp and as we build the training center and Bible Institute and all these things that we're involved with, um, there are some real needs. And as we were praying for God to do a miracle for us, to raise these funds so we can do these things, I just believe that as we're praying for a miracle, that we can go be the miracle right now in Togo, West Africa. And you guys have generously given above anything that we could ever ask, dream, or think to this point in the One Life movement. Um, And I'm gonna invite JJ uh, on the stage. He's gonna bring God's word for us in a moment, but I get to make a presentation to JJ today um, that on behalf of the amazing people of One Life Church, um, we're gonna come, we made a $100,000 commitment over the two and a half year timeframe. Um, and today, we're gonna give you a third of that, $33,000 up front. Before we ever move into our building, uh, we wanna bless you to go be a miracle for the people of Togo, West Africa. And so church, on behalf of you, it's my joy to present to him this gift for our One Life movement. Come on, will you celebrate God? And will you honor, open your hearts to JJ as he brings God words today? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of those that haven't yet heard yet. Thank you on behalf of the the people that are going to hear about Jesus and the other side of the world that haven't yet heard for the very, very first time. Like the little girl last summer who heard about Jesus in a youth camp and said, who's that? I've never heard of it before. And so because of your generosity, you get to have your part in what God is doing on the other side of the world. And I want to say thank you on their behalf. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to get to watch both sides, to be able to see a church that God's doing amazing things in, and then to watch on the other side of the world as the gospel advances in places where it's never, ever been before. And so we're truly grateful. Thank you. Thank you for this partnership together. And for those of you who are coming this fall, we can't wait. We'll be there. We, we, our promise is we'll be at the airport. We'll pick you up. We promise. And so you won't walk out with these big eyes and go, what did I just do? And so we'll have a great time with that. We know this morning we're going to we're going to take a few moments and we're going to unpack a story. And it's the story of Moses, probably for some we've heard it before, and for others it might be the very first time. But it's this conversation, this dialogue that that Moses has with God. And I don't know about you, but I find myself in this story. And so before we begin, may I ask you, would you pray with me? Would you pray that God would speak to each and every one of us today, whether in the room or online? and to give us something that we can take forward throughout this week. So let's pause, let's pray. God, we love you. You're in first place. You created everything and we worship you. And so today we wanna hear from you. We wanna hear something that you have for us today so that we can take it through the rest of the day and this week. And God, whatever you tell us, we wanna be courageous and we wanna follow and we wanna live obediently. And so it's in the precious name of Jesus that we're able to pray, amen, amen. So this morning, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to follow through this conversation through a couple of different verses. 
But before we get to this place, we have to understand what's happened in the life of Moses. Moses found himself as this Jewish man under the dominion, under the domination of Egypt at that time as they were controlling the earth. He saw this place of injustice. He saw this man being beaten, and he said, I have to do something about it. I have to walk in and try to save this person to be able to help him. And in the course of him trying to save this man in Exodus chapter 3, he actually, or just before that, he actually takes this man's life. People recognize him. People even call out and say, are you going to do the same thing to this person that you did to the other person? And so he takes off and he flees into the desert. He goes for 40 years and lives in this desert where he ends up meeting his father-in-law and he tends sheep. For 40 years, he lives a very ordinary life. In fact, almost a lifetime that he lives there. And as he's tending the sheep in a really hot environment, he sees, it's not uncommon to see things catch flame because of the temperature, but in this case, he's walking by and he sees this bush that catches into flame and then it speaks out to him. And he says, hey, Moses, Moses. And Moses starts by saying, here I am. He puts it out there and he says, all right, here I am. And he pretty quickly recognizes that this is, not just an ordinary bush, and this is not just a hallucination, but this is actually God Almighty who's having a conversation with him, with him and telling him that he needs to stop and listen. He starts in this place of here I am, and I don't know about you, but for many of us, we can look back to a time in our lives where we're able to sit there, just like Pastor Jared said, with open hands and say, God, here I am, I release it. I release everything I have, my hopes, my dreams, my everything, and I give it all to you, and I do receive that free gift of grace that Jesus gave me, and that's at that place of here I am. Amen. But I don't know about you, but I would say in my life, I've had that, those times where I've come back to a place where I'm saying, I know I said yes to here I am and I give it all to you, but I start to be like a little child who comes back and wakes up every single moment, every single morning with hands that are clenched like that. Can you think back of a time when you had a child that woke up in the morning and you had to just kind of even open up those hands to be able to clean out those fingers and just get ready to say yes to the day? And no matter how the day ended, we wake up the next day and we can come back and we find ourselves in this place again where we have to say, all right, different day, different dreams, different struggle, different scenarios. But I have to come back to the place of saying, I'll open those hands up again today and say yes again today, even if I already said yes yesterday. And so what happens in this dialogue here as you see that God tells Moses that he needs to take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. Some of us have homes where you walk in your homes, you take off your shoes to be able to walk into, those, into your home. When I grew up in Togo, and so I grew up in northern Togo, which is arid half the year and pretty tropical the other half of the year. And then my wife and I moved in 2009 to southern Togo to this birthplace of voodoo for the entire world, to this city called Aneho, where the king has been in place for over 400 years, he and his line. And so I walked into new cultures, new places, new traditions, which means I was learning every single day, and I st still continue to do that. And so one day I decided that I would like to see the king. I'd like to be able to meet him and to know this king of Anehov that for the last 400 years, they've been the ones in charge. They've been the ones that have been leading this area. And so I asked someone to take me to go see this king. I grew up with chiefs in the northern area of the country, but going to see a king is a little bit different. And so I figure 
I'm going to learn something new here. I'm going to try with the principle that I'm not going to outdress this, this person. I'm going to try to show him honor. So I'm going to wear some nice, le- nice leather flip-flops and some khaki pants and some sort of just loose open shirt. And we'll just go in and, and, and greet this king. And so I get there to see my friend and he has a rendezvous and we have a time to get there. And just as I walk up to his courtyard, I see on the column hand-painted, this hand-painted sketch of flip-flops and then a circle around it and a line that goes over it. And that's pretty universal and you know where I'm going. So I look at my buddy and I look down at my shoes and I look up and down to my shoes and I'm like, that doesn't apply to me, right? I'm the exception to this rule. And he's like, no, 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 it's you too. And I say, what's, what's going on? He goes, well, the king wears flip-flops. So you, can't wear, you can't wear flip-flops like him. And I'm like, like sandals? Would sandals have been okay? I'm starting to work in my mind what I just should have done 20 minutes prior when I got dressed. Yeah, sandals would have been fine. It's the little strap between your toes. You can't do that. So since he wears them, you can't wear them because you have to show him in honor that you're not the same as this king. I'm like, all right, what do I do? He goes, well, take them off. You're gonna walk in barefoot. I'm like, okay, here I go. In his courtyard, he has chickens running around and goats everywhere. And I'm like, oh, that's not how I saw the day going, but we're gonna figure this thing out. So I pick up my flip-flops and I start walking in and I wait for his chief of protocol who's going to receive me. And I sit down and then I'm taken in to go see this this king. And as I walk through, you know, his garage doors open and in his garage door, he has, he has the newest car and he also has the vintage in there. He's the person who travels the world quite frequently. And he understands that I'm probably a little bit out of place in this moment. And so as he looks, we greet each other. And then he looks down at my feet and he looks up and back down at my feet again. And he turns to the guy that brought me in and he goes, really? Like you didn't think to tell him not to wear flip-flops to come see me? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. We got through it. We talked about his recent trip to the U.S. and how he travels the world. And I learned that day that you don't ever wear flip-flops to go see a king. It wasn't long after that that I went across the border into Benin where I saw this python temple that I've even mentioned before. And right outside the entry point of this python temple, you have the exact same sign. You have this sign of flip-flops and then a line that goes through it because you can't walk in with flip-flops to go see a pit full of pythons because that's also someone else's king. That's what they worship. We come back to Moses thousands of years ago and Moses is at this place where he's had to take his shoes off because he's on holy ground and he's gonna have this conversation with God Almighty and he's going to listen and he's already started by saying, here I am, I'm here, I'm ready to go. But it's from verse 4 to verse 10 that we start to see the conversation that happens in his mind where he starts trying to maybe backtrack a little bit to say, what did I just say yes to? And did I really write a blank check? Did I really say yes to all of that? God makes it really clear in verse 10. In fact, we have it right here on the screen. In verse 10, it says, we're gonna, he's going to ask the question. But before he even asks the question in verse 10, it says, therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people. Pastor Jared just talked about a moment ago, over the next couple of years, you're going to be able to send a thousand people on mission around the world to represent and take the gospel to people who have never heard before. It'll be this journey that we have the invitation to be able to say yes today. God starts by telling Moses, he says, go. I'm sending you so that you can lead my people. You have a task. I have a task. We have this commission that we have to follow God on. And we need to lead his people towards him. 
towards that place where we say, I want to point you to the place where you see him. Moses starts with this question in verse 11. But who am I? But who am I? He probably runs through the question of saying, I was the guy that killed somebody else. I'm the guy who's just a shepherd. I'm even the guy who used to have great amounts of wealth when I grew up in a king's house. And today, I'm a shepherd and I don't even have access to the wealth and the power that that affords. Who am I? I'm the person who's tried it all, but I don't know that I can actually do that. After we've started in this place of saying, here I am, and God gives us the task of saying, I'm sending you, go, we can sit in the place of saying, but who am I? I'm not this person or I'm not that person. They're qualified, but I'm not. Who am I? Moses, as he's given this question, each time God comes back with a rebuttal and he says, but I'm going to send you. And he's giving him an answer that you'll be able to follow along and you'll be able to see as he has this conversation, this dialogue back and forth with God. God says, I know you might question who am I, but the real reality is God's saying, you don't have to worry about who are you. You have to know who I am. The God Almighty who made everything, the creator of everyone, the one that knows each and every one of us, no matter where we sit this morning, he knows everything about us. Then he asked the question, this, Moses asked the second question, what should I tell them? What should I tell them? If I get there and I start to lead their, these people, what am I even going to tell these people? And he says, what am I going to tell them about you? What am I going to tell them about who this God is? He really gets to a place where he starts diminishing the size of his God. He starts to put God in a box because he's realized the reality of what he's going to confront and how small his God seems at that very moment. The God that he's describing, the God that he's going to tell everyone about, is only as big as his imagination and understanding of that God in the way that he understands his reality. There's nothing like telling people in a West African context about a God who loves them and made a way for them. Because they've grown up hearing about gods who they can bow to, they can pray towards. These gods that are probably angry at them, the gods that are the reason that everything in their life has gone wrong, the reason why they believe things that, like, you can't fight destiny, you just can't change it, what could I possibly do about that? So when they hear about a God who made a way, Jesus who died on the cross for them 2,000 years ago, who loves them and wants to have a personal relationship with them, it puts people in a different understanding of who this God is compared to what they've always understood Moses diminishes God, and he really try, has to understand how his God, the God that he worships, the one true living God, stacks up against the gods of this world. And as you look around this world, everyone does have a God. Everyone does have something that they worship. Even if it's the belief that there is not a God, there's a conception, there's an idea that that is what I focus on, and that's what I believe in. And so Moses asked the question, what should I tell them? My wife and I and our family, we have three little girls, 10, nine, and six-year-olds. And in the U.S., we base out of Orlando, Florida. And my daughters have grown up over the last couple of years sitting in church in a West African context on a bench where now they ask when we go to church, they say, hey, Dad, are there going to be backs on the benches in this church? And we're in the U.S. And I say, yeah, I promise there will be backs on the benches in this church. That's just kind of what they grow up with. 
And they've learned about people being able to share their faith. They've learned about people that learn what it means to describe the difference between the idols that they've always seen and the one true living God and how they have this relationship. And so my daughter, Aubrey, and Mia are sitting in a school right down the road from us in Orlando. And they started talking to a friend. And this friend starts talking about, in third grade, that he worships all the gods. And so my daughter asked the question, what if you don't know all the gods? Like, what if there's one more that you've never heard about? She's never read the book of Acts, so she's not thinking there. She's just trying to reason through this and go like, maybe you missed one. Maybe you actually don't know my God. Maybe you don't know everything about my King Jesus. And so she asked this boy this question and the boy replies, well, if I learn about that God, maybe I'll worship him too. And she comes back home distraught, trying to work through this in her mind, saying, how do I help this young fellow understand that he's actually misled? He's actually worshiping something, but it's not the one true living God. How do I help him to be able to understand this? Because there is no God like our God. There's no, God, there's no other God that loves us and made a way in the way that he already has made the way. Moses gets to the third question. What if they don't believe me and they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? We get to serve. We have this privilege of serving with a, a missionary team on the ground in West Africa. I watch as people have left their successful lives and careers sitting in places just like you are this morning and saying, God, I think you're actually sending me not just for a short-term trip. I think maybe you're sending me for a longer trip. I think you're asking me to say no to this for a season so I can go say yes to that for a season of my life. I think you actually want me to lead people in a different context for a time. And there are people on our team who have said yes to exactly that. And so as they go to this other area of the world, I can just see how they're asking the question much like this. What if they don't believe me and what if they don't listen to me as I'm learning to speak another language and through another culture? But that's where Moses has this lesson, this heart-to-heart -heart with God, where God says, hey, all these things ahead, God actually knows exactly what that's gonna look like. And he knows how he needs to prepare each and every one of us. And he's not going to waste our journey. He's not going to waste our pain that we have from the past. He's actually going to use that to be able to lead other people in the future. And so that's, that's what God does with Moses. He goes, hey, I'm actually gonna teach you three lessons right here, right now. He starts by saying that rod, I want you to throw it on the ground. I want you to pick that thing back up. Before you pick it back up, it's gonna turn into a serpent. And so Moses picks up this rod that's now a snake by the tail and he starts to handle this thing. He has to exercise faith one-on-one, -on -one, something that has to be personal in his life between he and God before he can ever take this out there to lead the people like God is going to ask him to do. It's probably not the best thing for the people who already signed up for the trip, but I hear you guys already have tickets, so I should probably tell you this story anyway. We, we have a, a, one of my friends on the team who, he's the one guy on the team that probably hates snakes more than anybody. And this doesn't happen every day. You could probably see a snake if you go out for a hike here just as easily as you could in Togo. So it, it's, it's pretty rare and, and pretty far in between. But I have this friend who woke up one day and, or walked back into his bedroom one day and right beside his bed, uh, he walks in and finds himself a green mamba that's sitting there alive and, and just sitting there by his bed. And uh, you probably heard his squeal on the other side of the world. That was him. Yeah, it absolutely was. And uh, he calls and he runs out. Other people run in and they take care of the snake. I think that's universal, right? I think it's universal. Nobody, nobody really wants to be at that place where you go, I want a snake there. And I don't think that Moses 
ever thought, this is what I want to do by picking up this snake by the tail and taking God as his word and seeing if he really will turn this thing back into the rod that it once was. But you know, God's going to use that in the future for him. And then he takes his hand. He takes his hand and he puts it in his pocket and he pulls it out. And it's leprous. He has leprosy. I don't know if you've ever met anybody with leprosy before, but it's actually more common in many areas of the world than you probably realize. It's a death sentence. It's a way where you're sent out and you're shunned from everyone else and you live in isolation for really the rest of your life. Everywhere you go, you would have to say unclean, unclean, and you wouldn't be able to approach anybody. And yet, I can imagine the panic on his face, in his heart, when Moses says, really, is this going to be the end of it? And he puts it back in his pocket and he pulls it back out and God goes, I can give you life. I can restore. I can give you health. I can give it all to you, but you're going to have to trust me. And then he, he's told to pick up some water from the Nile and to pour it out and it becomes blood on the ground. So you see these lessons that Moses has to have between he and God, this personal work that he has to do in his life, God's going to use each and every one of these lessons in the future so he can look back and go, so that's what that was for. I see now. I didn't understand at that moment why my journey looked the way it did, but I see how God is going to use that or how God did use that from my past in my present in my future. Because when he's calling us towards something, he knows exactly why he's allowing those things in our life. And so Moses is asked a couple questions here. He's asked, who am I? What should I tell him? What if they don't believe me and don't listen? And then he's going to say, what if I can't speak? What if I can't speak? He uses this very real excuse, most likely, in his life to be able to say, but I don't speak well. Even though he's trained in the king's court, he still says, I'm not the person that has to do that. What if I can't speak? My tongue, it doesn't work. God gives him an answer. God tells, God tells him he's going to give him someone else. But it reminds me of the man named Etienne. Etienne met Jesus a few years ago in, in Anejo, in that first church plant. And God started doing something in his life. And Etienne was the person that if you put him by a door and he had to say welcome to everyone, that would probably would have been too much back then. He's the person that really didn't want to talk to anybody. He cared. He loved people well, but he just wasn't in that place. But God started doing something in his life where he was hearing this, go, I'm sending you. You have to go there. You have to lead my people and so he took the gospel up, to the, up the road to this village called Kunte Konji. When you walk into Kunte Konji and you walk into this village, there's the first idol that's about four and a half feet tall and it looks kind of like a job of the hut. It's an ugly thing. And for some of you, you'll see it. It's only a couple hundred yards from where he works now. Then you go past that, there's another melted steel idol. And then there's another one that has a calabash. And that's all just in a matter of a couple of feet there in this village of Kunte Konji. But he starts walking around in this community and starts telling people about Jesus and how they can be rescued from the bondage of the life that they currently live only because of the work of Jesus in their place. And he starts telling people and people start saying yes to Jesus. They start coming to this place where they open up their hands and say, I give you my everything. It might not look like much, but I give it all to you. You can have it all. And in a matter of a few short months, well over 120 people in this community say yes to Jesus and they have this small church that's birthed in the village of Kunte Konji. So much, so amazing that the village up the road has started to ask the question, led by the chief who's also a witch doctor. 
He says, what happened in that village in Kunte Konji? I don't know, but we've seen transformation. Transformation happened in this community. What was it? And they found out there's a church that was planted. And they said, whatever that is, we want that too. We can't identify it. We don't understand it. Maybe there's something in here that I can't put all the pieces in place, but we want that. And so in a matter of a few short months after this first community of faith was birthed, now they've launched a church in another community up the road. They're already understanding what it means to be able to send people to something else as well. When you see Etienne today and you hear him preach in his native tongue of Eve, he's a man who preaches so clearly and articulately because God has allowed him that experience in his past to prepare him for his present. He's still not the, first, the person that you would say that you might have guessed, but he is the person who said yes. He's the person who's willing to go. Because if he wouldn't have gone, I don't know who else would have. I'm not saying God's not a big God. Of course he is. But I don't know who else would have gone. There wasn't anybody else in the lineup. There wasn't anyone else ready to go and to do that. And Etienne, who could have very clearly, very easily said, but what if I can't speak? Opened up his hands and said, yes. Moses gives the four best excuses he knows how. And then finally, he just kind of throws a Hail Mary. And he goes, please, 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 just send somebody else. Somebody else can do it. Somebody else can take that spot. Somebody else can jump on that ticket and go in that with that team somewhere else. I have other obligations. Please send someone else. And God says, I'll be with you. You're not going to be alone. I'm going to be with you as you walk this journey. See, early on when Mel and I first moved to Togo, there was a team that came over to Togo and we had a soccer game going and someone was walking around on the outside. In fact, multiple people were praying that people would meet Jesus and actively looking to have conversations to be able to, be able to invite them. And this person on a short-term trip walked around and met a young fellow who spoke perfect English and he led him to faith in Jesus. This young person grew up to plant a church who led another man, a voodoo practitioner to Christ. And this voodoo practitioner said, you know what? I need to go, I need to be sent out. I have to go, I have to live like this with open hands. And so this man who once bowed and prayed to idols and even received funding to be able to do that for other people, went up the road to a witch doctor, a really, really powerful witch doctor. Because you see, just a couple of hours ago in our churches, people stood and prayed, say, we pray for our community, we pray for our government, we pray for our leaders, and we pray that our witch doctors will repent and fall to Jesus. And so he went with this audacious faith that God could even do that too, even that. Just a couple of weeks ago, a man named Dongo, a very, very powerful witch doctor, said yes to Jesus. In fact, I have, a, I have a picture of Dongo right here. This is Dongo after he said yes to Jesus, bringing out all of his idols, everything that brought him power and notoriety and wealth in this world. And he said, I'm gonna burn and break these. I'm done with this. And then he was water baptized to say, I'm going public with my faith. I'm gonna follow Jesus. One life, let me, let me tell you, as Paul says, that's on your account. That's because of our partnership. 
did somebody on the other side of the world through a person, through a person, through a person that said yes to Jesus, I'll be willing to go. And you have this man who's now learning what it means to follow Jesus. Two Sundays ago, I was walking around the church that he now attends, just shaking people's hands, just like we did a few moments ago. Shook his hand and the next person and the next person. And he's sitting in a place going, I once was this, but now I follow Jesus. He's learning what it means to be able to share with others. His son has already said yes to Jesus and his family is now learning what that means to be able to follow and to do the exact same thing. You see in the New Testament, the apostle Paul writes to a church and he says, it's because of grace that we're saved. It's this free gift that we've received. It's nothing that we've done on our own, but we've received this. And for each and every one of us who have received, we understand what that looks like. And if you're here today and you have not entered in that relationship with Jesus, today is the day that you're able to do that. There'll be prayer partners in the front in just a couple of moments at the end of the service and you will be able to talk to them and ask them questions and ask them to pray with you. But then Paul writes in verse 10, he says, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see, back when Jesus was on the cross and he paid the price for us, he was already preparing for us the good works that we were supposed to be walking in. All the way back to Moses' life when God said, go, I'm sending you to lead my people. Even today, God has placed opportunities in front of us, something that we are supposed to be a part of, something that we are supposed to live out. And so as One Life Church, as we have opportunities over the next couple of years to engage, both through your intentional generosity, your faithful prayers, and your opportunities to go. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need to be ready to take a trip. And I don't need to push back on some of those excuses that I might naturally want to give. But I'm ready to do that. May I ask you, would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, in Moses' example in his life, he had to work through and struggle what this looked like. But each and every one of us today, whether it's here in this room or whether it's watching online, we walk through the same struggle. So would you help us to live today with open hands and say yes to, do, yes to you and whatever you're asking us to do. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm gonna invite you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a couple minutes longer. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of you today. Some of you, as JJ was talking, there's some dreams that you have been using every excuse um, as Moses did. And God has been speaking to you about that. Maybe it's fear and insecurity. I wonder what it would look like today for you to finally take that step of faith and say enough is enough and follow what God is asking you to do. What would it look like for you in this next season. And others of you, you're in the room and you would be the first person to say, you know, um, I know God's speaking to me, um, but I've been keeping God at a distance. I've been going my own way. And you don't have a personal relationship with him. But today in this moment, you know you need to take that step. And we're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna point you out. not gonna make you join this church. Uh, but I do wanna pray with you today. And if that's you, you would say, yeah, I've been going my own way. I've been keeping God at a distance. But you know today you need to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Come on, right where you are, pray this prayer. Put it in your own words. 
but be sincere, mean it in your heart. Start your prayer like this. Say, today, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for trying to control my life. Come on, just tell him that. So today, as simply as I know how, I release control and I give my life completely to you. Come live inside of me, change me, make me the person you long for me to be. Tell him that. Today I receive all that Jesus has accomplished for me on the cross. Grace, forgiveness, mercy. And today I begin this relationship, I live for you. Tell him that, say I hold nothing back. God, I pray for the people of One Life Church. Lord, you have birthed dreams and purpose in each and every one of us. And even collectively as a whole, God, you have some big dreams for us. And we don't want fear to stand in the way. We don't want insecurity to stand in the way. Lord, we're gonna trust you today. We're gonna say yes. What you're calling us to do, what we believe you've asked from us, we say yes right now. We leave the results in your hands, but we are going to be people who say yes and take steps of faith and risk it all for you. So go before us, make the hard things easy. I pray that the people of God will apply the word of God to our life and will be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on church, will you celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus? Isn't that awesome? JJ, thank you for that amazing message today. Um, JJ and Melissa will be down front for a few moments after the service. I would love for you to meet them. And just as he said, if you need prayer for any reason today, maybe you just prayed that prayer and you wanna take a next step and have that conversation with somebody else, our prayer team will be down front. We would love the chance to pray with you. And we would love the chance to pray for you as you begin to take next steps here at One Life Church. And talking about next steps, we have a thing here that we call the growth track. It is a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. After, actually today, it's the fifth Sunday. So there's no growth track. But next Sunday, um, after, during the 11 o'clock service, will be step one. And we would love for you to take your next step. Um, in fact, if you check, even check the connection card today, um, you can just let us know and a member of our team will be able to answer all the questions that you have. And next week you can begin your journey here at One Life Church. Um, before we send you out, we are right now gonna worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? I know you are. We serve a give first God, so we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, in the boxes in the back, online, through the app, um, and maybe some of you, you're like, hey, this, I'm brand new around here. Tell me more about the One Life movement, some of the strategic initiatives that we're involved with. Hey, guess what? The growth track is the best place to learn about that. Um, but we do, I didn't bring that up here with you, but we do have some books available um, as you leave. Um, we'd love to put that information in your hand and how you can partner with us, um, again, to reach one more life for Jesus. Um, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet all over the room. I wanna pray a blessing over you. Again, our prayer team will be down front. If you're a guest, my wife and I will be down front for a few moments after the service. We'd love to meet you. I'd love for you to meet um, JJ and Melissa Alderman as well. Um, and again, one more time, church, can we just praise God for all that he's doing here and also with our partnership with the Six Degree Initiative? So, so grateful. All right, let me pray. God, I, I thank you for the amazing people of One Life Church. 
Thank you for what you're doing here each and every weekend, God. We are blown away by your generosity towards us. And in a small way, God, now we're gonna be generous towards you with our giving and what you've placed in our hands we wanna be faithful with. Lord, we think of our brothers and sisters over in Togo today, God, and, and all around the world through our other mission partners. Thanks for the work that we get to do. And now I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.